Hi, I'm Brian Solomon. These are Conversations with Brian Solomon, a series of podcasts for Trains Magazine. Today I'm with Mike Lacey, and Mike is a, a veteran, a long veteran of working for railroads, and you started out with the Erie Lackawanna in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Is that correct, Mike? Correct. And uh, tell me a little bit about your, your family history and how you got involved with the railroad and what it was like working for the Erie Lackawanna. Well, uh, I was born and raised in Meadville, Pennsylvania. My father was a locomotive engineer for the Erie. Uh, his father was a conductor for the Erie. Uh, my great-grandfather was a station master at Cory, Pennsylvania. And my great-great-grandfather was a track foreman uh, on the railroad. But I believe he was on the Pennsylvania. Okay, well, we'll forgive you that for this one. Now, now listeners to, to my podcast here um, will we'll probably see the thread, and they, I've done some other ones on the Erie, and they know that I've got a passion for the Erie Railroad. So the fact that we're, we're talking, they'll see the thread there, and we can continue on with all good things, Erie. We'll save the Penzi stuff for another episode. All right, no problem. That's obviously not a whole lot. Corey, Pennsylvania, the Erie, and the uh, Pennsylvania intersected there right and both had stations there so. yeah that was the old the old P&E right the Philadelphia right. and Erie right yeah. and my dad uh, my grandfather was born and raised in Cory tried to hire out on the Pennsylvania was too young came down to Meadville lied about his age and got on as a trainman in Meadville as a brakeman and when was that I believe 1919 oh wow so that's that's a hundred years ago yes Wow, that, that's that's pretty cool. And Meadville was a real big deal on the Erie. I know well, I, I know that having done a lot of research and having spent time there in the Conrail era. Well, the interesting part, <clears throat> my mother's side of the family, my my grandfather De Ross was a uh, uh, an machinist apprentice. Slipped on the snow at the bank at the Roundhouse and lost both his legs below the knee. The railroad sent him to school and he became an accountant. Okay. And when he left the when he died actually at 62, he was the chief accountant for the Erie Railroad for the Erie Navy of all their bo boats that they kept at New York, the tugs and. And everything. they did that out of Meadville. Out of Meadville, the offices were in Meadville. Oh, A lot wow. of offices were in Meadville. Okay. Uh, when I when I came along to the Erie, the program car shop for the Erie was at Meadville. The wheel shop was at Meadville. The reclamation plant was at Meadville, and the maintenance of way equipment repair shop was in Meadville. And it was also a major division point and the location of a yard. It was a subdivision point for the Mahoning third and second subdivisions. Okay. So the third subdivision ran out of Meadville to Salamanca. Right. And the other one, the second, ran to Kent. Okay. I hired out, well, my first job on the Erie was as a trackman. My father got me on laying welded rail over towards Kent. Uh, before I started college, I think hoping it would cure me of ever wanting and to be when, on the And when was that? 1968. 51 years ago. 51 years. That was my now, first check. <laughs> all right. Did you did you think that 51 years later you'd still be involved with, with railways? Not a chance. <laughs> but uh, what happened was I got uh, furloughed before I started college. So uh, I got called back that spring to be a caboose man okay. at Meadville Yard. And what a caboosemen do? We uh, we cleaned the cabooses. We we heated those cabooses with coal. So you made sure the coal was taken care of. If there was a fire, took care of whatever was going. on. So they were with still that. burning coal in the cabooses in the 1960s. Absolutely, oh, right, right into when we went into Conrail in 1976. Oh wow! And what happened? I guess what I was told: the oil burners constantly malfunctioned. 
And the coal didn't break, so they had reliable heat with the coal. Yeah. And so, you know, we, 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 and we put ice in them, water, made sure all the supplies were on the caboose. And we're kind of the general guy that cleaned up the yard office. And uh, we still had oil burning lights in the switch lights in the yard. Wow. And we actually changed the oil and cleaned the What kind of oil and, was it, like a paraffin or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so we, we, we were supposed to take care of those and clean the lamps and make sure all those still worked right. Now, the lights on the mainline switches were battery. So but although the, you never really worked with steam engines, you really came from a steam era mentality with coal and paraffin. Oh, and yeah. I mean, you know, the railroad as it operated, except for the steam engine when I came on, had, wasn't much different than it had been. You know, you still had a conductor and a flagman on the rear and the caboose. You know, and, 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 and though it, although it was Erie Lackawanna, your part of the railroad was really the Erie. We were the Erie. There was no Lackawanna. I remember as a, a kid uh, when the, uh, we were going to merge and how my father, I was probably 11 years old, was very upset that we were going to have anything to do with Lackawanna. <laughs> and what, what was his beef with the Lackawanna? Just well, general they, principle? They, or? Yeah, they just felt it was a second-rate outfit. You know, okay. and the Erie was a first-rate outfit. You know, they ran trains fast. They ran trains... You know, through and Meadville was, we had when I, when we went into Conrail in '76, we had 14 yard engines at Meadville. Wow. You had five on first shift, five on second, and four at night. And it, and the extra ones in the first, they were they were what was called the back shop jobs, and they worked all that the the, the car shops and the reclamation plant and all that work. And got what did done. the reclamation plant do? took all kinds of scrap, took cars and tore them apart if they were junk and reclaimed whatever they could and scrapped stuff and burned stuff. I mean, there were piles of, of stuff down in these, we call them scrap tracks. Okay. You know, that they pushed those cars in there and they tore them up or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So. And you, the Erie would have had a lot of through through business. You had what? The, oh. the, the UPS trains? We had two UPS trains a day each way. Uh, and when the, when the passenger trains, I saw the last passenger train through the Meadville yard on January 4th, 1970. I was on a switch engine. Okay. But what happened, I saw as a caboose man, I heard they were going to hire switchmen. So I went and talked to the yard master and I got hired as a switchman. So I became a switchman in the summer of 69. Okay. So then, you know, I started learning the business. And at that time, oh yeah, the trains coming through there and the amount of work that was getting done in the Meadville yard was amazing. We flat switched. The Meadville yard was as flat as a table. Okay. So you never had to worry about kicking cars in tracks. They didn't run away from you or come back at you. You could just start throwing cars in tracks. We'd have kicking cars up and down that lead. Yeah. You know. And you also you also had the Oil City branch came in there. The Oil City branch came in down down at the uh, oh down at the west end of the yard, which also the the um, Pittsburgh and Lake Erie. Okay. Came in there too. Oh, really? We transferred there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had a branch that came over in there that was still in operation when I came. Okay. And they ran one train a night down to Oil City. Okay, and that was a, that was kind of a big deal for traffic, though, wasn't it? It was a good traffic, but the track had not been updated. We ran. They ran that train ten miles an hour. Okay. Over my period, I got on there a couple times as a trainman, and. <laughs> Everybody went lay down and went to sleep until he got down to Oil City. All right. He ran ten miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you did you make the transition from Erie Lackawanna to Conrail? We all did. Yeah. You basically went to work. You became 
on April 1st, we became employees of Conrail. And did much change for you right away? No. Right away, the business kept going. We kept, uh, I was, uh, by that time, I was promoted in 74 to a road freight conductor. Okay. So I was on the Mahoning 3rd, and I ran to Salamanca on short runs. So I Salamanca, New York, so you went, you went east. I went east. east to Salamanca. Hornell was the interdivisional run. Okay, so you went all the way to Hornell. Oh yeah. Okay. The, uh, and you said you went, went to Buffalo as well. We well, we went to Buffalo a lot. Yeah. Uh, by that time, we ran most of the tra trains up at Cuba Junction, went over the River Line, right, and over to Buffalo Junction, and then kind on of the up, back way around. Yeah, up through Attica. It's like yeah. two hundred thirty-eight miles. Oh, one way. One way. So that's yeah. a, that was a long run for back but then. But we could haul these big trains, and we started hauling these hundred car uh, grain trains. And uh, hundred car plastic trains were just plastic cars. They're unit trains. So you would have gone over that big trestle at Belfast, New York. Oh yeah. What was that like? I, it, it, those trestles were amazing. It was like you at night you were like flying. You yeah. Know? Uh, you looked out there and you thought you were in an airplane. The other way we went to Buffalo was over the BNSW division at Faulkner, New York. And what did BNS? stood for? I guess it was the Buffalo and Southwestern, which had been a railroad. Okay. And the Erie took it over, and then we ran. The problem with that run was it was a single track, dark territory. And you had to go down the big hill at, at, uh, at Dayton Hill. Okay. And that was like three point something percent down that hill. And so big trains were an issue with that. Yeah. So they just started running all the heavy stuff all the way up around the back way. Right. Because it was much more conducive to running these big heavy trains. And of course Conrail got rid of the section between Cuba Junction and River Junction and that big trestle at Belfast. Well, and they tore up one of the main lines pretty quick. You know, we were yeah. double main. But it was a split main where often the tracks oh, went sure. up opposite sides at of the Quarry, valley. At Quarry we split, you went over the hill or you yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, that's there weren't too many railroads. Santa, Fa Santa Fe had a bit of that, but there weren't too many railroads with a split main. So it was basically two different railroads at one point, and they spliced right. them together. Right, you went around, and then you came in at any junction and went back to being together. Okay. But we were basically double-track, except for 10 miles at Steenberg, up to Steenberg Hill. Okay. With a single main there. Okay. But that was the only, I was the only single main track between Meadville and Salamanca. All right. All right, so today we're speaking with Mike Lacey, who hired on with Erie Lackawanna in 1968. I'm Brian Solomon, and these are Conversations with Brian Solomon, a series of podcasts for Trains Magazine. And um, tell me some of the things you really liked about the Erie. Obviously, it was, it was a family for you. It wasn't just a job. Well, you know, Meadville was a railroad town. My grandfather, my father, so when I got hired out, everybody knew the Lacey name. Yeah. You know, and, and so... But you had to prove yourself. You had to show that you could do the job. And, uh, I mean, I had cousins on the railroad. That I, You know, all kinds of family cousins. The Holland family, which was related to my, to my grandmother. And they were clerks and switchmen. And so, yes, the, the railroad was very much a family. A lot of families. Engineers, uh, the, the kindervaters, there were three of them. The father and two sons that were. And eventually, myself and my brother... And my father were both on the area out of Meadville. Okay. Uh, and did you go west much? Well, what happened to me was that I got furloughed in the flood in 72. Okay. And I ended up transferring to Marion, Ohio. All right. And worked out of Marion east. Right. And, of camp. course, a Marion was, was a division point as well. It was a division point. It was a big And it was there. a big operation. Yeah. And we used to go down to Columbus, Ohio on another branch. Okay. And... Uh, what was on Columbus line was that big international harvester with all the trucks. We picked up a lot of 
truck car, you know, car trucks and automobiles and all that kind of stuff down there. So I was over there for six months and actually caught emergency and went to Huntington. So I actually had worked from Huntington to Hornell. <laughs> all right. So you got a big chunk of the, the middle part of the area. I did. Uh, so we ran out of Marion to Kent and, and interdivisional was to Meadville. Okay. So I had run both ways, both out of Meadville to Marion. And, and did you Marion. run engines back then? No, I never got, I tried to get in engine service and the road foreman at Meadville, after talking to people said, I, okay, if you can, if I can get the train master to let you go, uh, I'll bring you on as a fireman. Right. And what, but what happened was the train, ma the road foreman at Meadville was actually for the second Mahoning West. The Eastern was in Salamanca. He had hired his neighbor. Oh, right. So I, I didn't get on. But what happened back then, and I, I can't get anybody in trouble now, I'm <laughs> gradually by that time, a lot of, especially all the extra trains and that didn't have firemen. Well, something about my dad and all that, they taught me how to run. Right. And I was running trains. I was basically learned how to run. So you were never actually train. appointed, but you were well familiar with, with, with the technique. Right. And uh, so I, um, I, I took a buyout in, uh, in 78. Okay. Uh, from the Erie because... Uh, be Conrail at that stage, right? I, I'm from Conrail. I had gotten married, and because of the way they structured things, most of us guys were furloughed. Okay. And I had gotten into a, another business in the, in, in the automobile business and just decided, you know, the way the railroad felt then, there wasn't a lot of future. Well, at that point, Conrail was kind of beginning to consolidate, and a lot of the Erie started getting kind of phased oh, out. Oh, yeah, they were. Well, by 78... Uh, I had worked some, I, I went back, I got cut back into the yard, because the deal had happened in in uh, 67. Anybody who hired out after 67 basically had rights uh, on the whole Mahoning division as a trainman from 67. Okay. So that led me, even though I hired out in 69 in the yard, my seniority started there on the whole division. So I went out on the road as soon as I could. But in those days, the road, the extra board, was controlled by the union. Okay. So if they got slow, they, they, they would cut you, but then I could go back in the yard. Okay. So I really wasn't So if you're cut off the extra board, it wasn't like you didn't have a job. I went back to the, the yard as a switchman. And how did you figure that out? So if they cut you off the extra board, you'd talk to somebody in the yard? Yeah, or? I, just, I, just tell, I just tell the union uh, guy for the yard that I was coming back in the yard because I got furloughed. And he had no choice because I had seniority over guys that were working. And so the, he, he, they'd bump somebody else further yeah, down. Yeah, they bumped the junior guys then. And what it did is it rolled down. The junior guys in the yard got furloughed. Okay. And so I'd go back and forth. I was constantly going back and forth between the yard and the road. So you basically worked for the Erie on and off for about 10 years. Right. Yeah. So I didn't give it any more thought. I just, uh, and I went into business, ended up in Florida uh, as a district sales manager for a 3M distributor and uh, went on up in that company and we lost our contract with 3M in 1999 and I was going to be 50 years old. And I decided to um, figure out what I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't have much, uh, much retirement. I had a small 401k. My wife had one. I was talking to my dad. He said, you know, you need to talk to some of the guys that are still on the railroad. And they told me the railroads were hiring. 
than the process to do, and I ended up on CSX out of Florida. So this was in 1999? Well, 2000. Yeah, well, the things were definitely booming at that stage. Right, I fell into the right moment. I was yeah. only, I, I, you know, I went through the conductor school, which you paid to go to. So you, you pay for four, that out of you your own pocket? four thousand dollars to go to UNF. Okay. To uh, to become a conductor, and the deal was, well, what happens if they don't hire me? Well, the the understanding under it all is they wouldn't call you there if they weren't going to hire you. Right. So when I got done with school, which I graduated number two in my class, I went right to CSX as a Well, it probably in. helped having all that prior experience from, from the Conrail and Erie Lackawanna days. I didn't have the, the jump that people had. Yeah. I, I understood what was going on. And uh, so I went, to ta I went to Sanford, Florida, the terminal, and did my training down there and became a conductor. But I was only a conductor for less than two years and, and was sent to engineer school. Okay, well, well, we'll pick up that CSX thread in a later podcast. I have a sense talking to you that we probably, we can, we can do this again and again. There's, a, there's an awful lot of, I know you and I have been talking before, and you've got a lot of really interesting stories about working for the railroad. So, uh, anyway, we've been speaking with Mike Lacey, a locomotive engineer, started with the Erie back in 19, Erie Lackawanna back in 1968, and uh, finished his career with CSX, and then we're not going to get into it today, but then you got a whole new railroading career after retirement. So, That's for sure. These are Conversations with Brian Solomon, and thanks, everyone, for listening.